Seahawks blew out the Panthers on Sunday night, sort of reestablishing their their dominance or at least the perception of how dominant they can be. But that's not what we're going to lead off with first, is it, Bob? No, possible to get uh, to, just to ignore the new what happened with Earl Thomas, and then as we uh, as we do this, Pete Carroll has confirmed that Thomas will be out for the season. Uh, fractured tibia and um, you know who knows exactly what that means not not an injury you can't come back from uh, in the long term but certainly he's certainly something yeah. so uh, you know, you're not going to see him again in the in the 2016 season and uh, regardless of how far they go in the playoffs he's, yeah he's done 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 and uh, and it'll be uh, in an unfortunate way but I think we'll we'll find out there's always been these questions of who which Seahawk defender is the most valuable who could you least afford to lose stuff like that and they're going to have no choice now but to find out how they can survive without Earl Thomas for the rest of this year. It's it's obviously a huge blow for that defense for the last six years. We've heard about how unique he is, how special he is, what he brings to that defense. I know there are people within the, the organization who feel like he is their most valuable defender because of the way he uh, plays off of Richard Sherman and the, he, the way he allows the cornerbacks to kind of play so fearlessly and the way he allows Cam Chancellor to play so close to the line of scrimmage. And I, I think it's going to be, I mean, shoot, we saw the first play that he was out uh, was, you know, obviously it wasn't by any means purely Stephen Terrell's fault that that touchdown was given up. I think their, you know, their defense was designed to have a guy deep down the middle of the field to, to cover that throw, uh, that touchdown throw. But that was sort of the difference we saw. Stephen Terrell just wasn't quite able to get over there. I think Earl Thomas probably, even if it's not, maybe his play has enough. He's quick enough and has enough reaction time and trusts himself enough that he probably gets over there and makes a play on that ball. Yeah, to give him the benefit of the doubt, that was the first play after I, I I actually just went back and re-listened to Terrell's interview from after the game, and he, you know, he said they were in a cover two, and he said Carolina had a really good play for that. They got uh, um, they got Ginn sort of lined up on Bobby Wagner yeah. at the line, and um, but he he flat out said that he said that's a play I'm, I'm going to have to break better on, and yep. and hopefully I'll do better better at that the rest of the way. Um, you know, they have a lot of confidence in Stephen Terrell, and and he has at least been in the system for quite a while, signed before the 2014 season so this is basically his third full year with the team and knowing the defense and I, and I think that's really important I, I, you know I'd, for anybody who wonders is there anybody else out there or some other option I mean this this is what the Seahawks generally want to do is sort of promote from within especially in the defense where sort of understanding what to do and how to communicate with everybody and especially when you got four games left in the regular season is really the most important thing so he's going to be the guy there and going to, and going to have to step into it and and it'll be interesting to see how teams attack that uh, you know, fortunately for the Seahawks, they play some teams, the Rams and 49ers, the rest of the way that probably aren't going to really be able to fully test him the way that, uh, you know, we, we, this might be something we have to wait till the playoffs. Well, to, they're going to really get, know. I think they're oh, going to get tested this Green week. Yeah. yeah, no doubt. Um, but I was, but, you know, but to me, it'll be uh, as teams see how the Seahawks, if, you mentioned a lot of things that Earl Thomas does. It will be interesting to see if the Seahawks change some of the things they do or not necessarily change, but just don't do certain things as much. If they, if they don't leave uh, Terrell out there, let's say, as the single high safety as often as they've done with her all through the years typically i don't know if we ask pete carroll this today but i'm sure there'll be plenty of time throughout the week that we will typically his response when they place replace someone uh with a with a backup is oh we, we feel confident doing the same stuff that we always done i never really buy that uh i don't think you can take a guy who's an all pro level performer and one of the best at his position like earl thomas and replace him with steven terrell and not do some not put the same pressure on him and not have him be responsible for the same amount of things. I think the one thing the Seahawks have going for them is they have a really experienced defense. Uh, if they've got to have a spot where 
I mean, I, I think Earl Thomas is an incredibly huge loss for this team. I really do. I, I, you know, no knock on Steven, Steven Terrell. He's, I think he did okay in his starting in Tampa and stuff like that. But I mean, Earl Thomas is such a special football player that I think this is a huge loss, but I think they have enough pieces around on this defense that, and, and they have such a good, they have a good coaching staff that I think they're going to be able to figure out ways to hopefully help him out and not put him in positions where he's going to maybe have to be on an Island as much as we saw Earl Thomas on an Island. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really going to be the key. I I think they will try to mitigate the number of times when he's just back there by himself, maybe like that. But as you pointed out earlier, one of the things Earl being able to do that, it allows him to play Cam Chancellor closer to the line. It allows him um, to put, do some things with Richard Sherman, maybe and and understanding that Earl is sort of back there as a trusted last line of defense that opponents almost never get past. And uh, uh, you know, that I, I think there's, I think, but I totally agree with you that I think a lot of people around the NFL have always thought he's the single most valuable piece of the defense because of that, because it, it allows them, there's really no other player on the team whose role necessarily allows so many other players to do things that really benefit, that really accentuate what they're good at. Right. And um, taking Earl out of that, you're going to have other guys, you know, they're just going to have to mitigate some things with, with what they do with some other players. I think the one fear that I would have if I was the Seahawks is that without him back there, Stephen Terrell's probably going to give up some plays. It's 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 pretty inevitable. Inevitable, I think. I mean, even if he plays really well, it's just going to happen. I think the fear that you would have is that, especially in his first game or two, that that happens and you have guys start trying to overcompensate or not quite trusting the defense. And we've seen that happen before, like when Cam Chancellor was out and uh, when guys have been out. That there's when when Kerry Williams struggled, there was the there were these issues that popped up because there wasn't kind of that that trust that the scheme was going to play out like it should. And you saw guys peeling off routes or, or thinking they were going to try to, you know, help someone out. And, and I think that can really get this defense in trouble because they are, uh, you know, we hear them say it all the time, but they're so kind of linked together with how the scheme works. They need, you know, piece one needs to be in line with piece two and piece three and piece four and stuff like that. And I think, I think to me that would be the biggest concern without him in there. Yeah, I, I would agree with all of that. The, the one thing I, the chancellor comparison and what happened last year will be will be an obvious one. I, I guess the the good thing here is Terrell has been in the right. system for a long time, unlike with Chancellor, where it was Deion Bailey and and you know literally sort of off the street kind of thing. So a guy who'd never played before. So at least in this case, he's he's been around. He does have a little bit of experience, and he has at least played. You know, two weeks ago started and played an entire game. So, but yeah, there's no way it's not going to make an impact. And and you're right, right off the bat. I mean, getting Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers. I was just looking at some of his stats. Uh, kind of, you know, a couple weeks ago there were stories, you know, just the decline of Aaron Rodgers and stuff like that. Suddenly he's played really well the last few weeks and he's on pace to throw for a second highest career touchdowns ever. And, and, to and the Packers, six, yeah, know, the Packers, yeah. I think they, they really view this as sort of a must win game because the games after this are games that are maybe even more winnable. So if they, if they get this game, then they're sort of legitimately back in the playoff hunt. So um, this is going to be a really tough test for the Seahawks, probably the toughest one they have left on their schedule. So, uh, you know, Terrell sort of get thrown into it right off the bat. Last point, I think, on Earl Thomas, at least for right now, the retirement tweet, that was uh, probably the, the single, I guess we're bearing the lead here a little bit, but that was the thing he tweets during the game after his injury that he's considering retirement. A lot of emotions going through his head. Uh, he didn't really back down from that uh, in a couple text messages he exchanged with ESPN's Ed Warder just a little bit ago, actually, uh, from when we're doing this podcast. I guess we're just kind of trying to, you know, read the read the magic ball here a little bit. But I, I think that one thing we've known about Earl Thomas is that 
he loves football. Uh, he probably loves football, I think, more than any guy in that locker room uh, that, that I can think of. And I think that my guess would be that kind of with that being taken away for the first time in his career for an extended period of time, he's just got a bunch of kind of emotions going on. And, you know, it probably feels like it's going to be uh, such a long way back and stuff. I would be stunned if he actually retired. I just think he loves football way too much to do that. But, yeah. I mean, he didn't back down necessarily. Yeah, I, but he might that? still be. Yeah, I, well, there might be some com- more, com- even more conflicting emotions today where sort of the reality of I am out for the year and this is the the rehab process now. I, he, he also confirmed to, to Werder that he's not going to have surgery, which the team had been vague on. So um, it sounds like maybe he's gotten, you know, on Monday, gotten some answers to what is what lies ahead for him now. And I'm sure that's a tough thing for him, too. I, I mean, you know Earl probably even better than I do, having done some great stories on him. But uh, a couple of us talked to Earl last week in the locker room, and, and it struck me at just how much missing one game seemed to right. really impact him. And he talked about about you know he went down to Portland and he said he needed to do that so he could he could I, I think the phrase he used was his competitive juices so he could f- find some outlet for that. Um, th- yeah, you're, you're right. This he is a very unique individual, and he um, he um, expresses himself very. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Even when he does, you know, we've seen that in good and bad times with the, with the Seahawks and losses and things he has done and said after after some games. He he, he definitely sometimes the, the emotions come out in different ways than they do for other people. But I would be with you. I, I, I agree with you that I, I can't imagine that this would really lead to an actual retirement at some point. Um, obviously, there'd be contractual obligations and things like that. He signed a pretty big deal a couple of years ago. And um, if he really were to go down that path, which I, I don't think he would be. But uh, um, we'll certainly be, uh, you know, a part of the story and, and a part of that night that no one will ever forget. I know uh, all of us were in the press box when we saw that. And the first thing was, wait a minute, is there, is there some fake Earl Thomas account out there? Do right. need to make sure that this is for real before we pass it along? But, uh, you know, quickly getting the word that, yeah, that was from him. But, you know, I thought the response of Richard Sherman and guys in the locker room who know him well, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, you know, they, for the most part, they really sort of downplayed the idea that he would really, really be considering retirement. And it was a little bit more of just, this is Earl trying to find a way to deal with this in his own way right now. So the the Seahawks did win uh, in a rather impressive fashion. It's actually funny because Pete Carroll kind of got a little bit short with us after we asked about what, seven or eight Earl Thomas questions today and said, you know, we did play really well last week and win a big game and, uh, you know, typical, I think Pete Carroll trying to move on, but That being said, all the stuff with Earl, I think the the biggest I think takeaway from this game beyond that was the offense, and they sort of uh, one week after looking pretty pretty helpless out there for against Tampa Bay, and the offensive line was a disaster. Uh, looked pretty awesome uh, just one week later. What what do you think the biggest change was? Yeah, well, it's like, I mean, did Justin Britt really matter that much? That was basically what I asked Pete Carroll after the game was, you know, that's sort of really the only change. That, you know, Thomas Rawls obviously looked better, and and Pete Carroll really predicted this on Friday. You know, if you if you um, um, read his quotes where he just said he thought Rawls had had a great week of practice and was ready for a game like this, and then he went out and had it, um, you know, P- Pete didn't try to hide that at all. But, you know, otherwise, that was really the big change was Britt got back in there. Now, I think the opponent helped. I think Tampa Bay is, is you know, we're, we're seeing them become a pretty good team suddenly, and um, and you're seeing uh, Carolina just completely face plant, and I think having the, the week on the West Coast and everything probably was not a good situation for them. Uh, I don't neither know how ready they were to play. Neither is not wearing a tie. Yeah, and that's the, not the a whole Cam doing thing. Um, so, but still, the Seahawks had to go out and do it, and, and they did it, and, you know, most points they'd scored in three years, and uh, season high in yards, 
and things like that. So it was a really good performance by them. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, that's, you know, all week long, you, you talk to some players and they all seem to be pretty confident that what happened at Tampa Bay was just sort of a little bump in the road and they would get right back on track. And, and they did do that. So from that standpoint, you now have sort of these four of the last five games, they've played pretty well on offense. So is the offense kind of having a similar sort of turnaround that they did last year and kind of finding themselves as Russell's gotten healthy and Thomas Rawls has gotten healthy. Tyler Lockett was the other really big guy yesterday. I mean, this was what they sort of were predicting. You know, we were hearing all offseason. They really thought Tyler Lockett could become this really explosive player, get the ball to him in a number of different ways. Uh, last night was really the first time we really saw that. Um, and not just on offense, but, you know, uh, the returns as well. It sort of felt like it felt like last year where every time it was kicked to him, you, you, you wondered if he might be able to take it all away. Um, and, you know what he is? He's, he's, he's a way more – he's a better route runner and a way uh, – way better receiver but he's he's percy harvin he's like kind of what yeah. they wanted percy harvin to be I, I i mean i know we said that last year but like you kind of forgot i sort of forgot that because he's been so limited with injury and stuff but yesterday when you saw the the kickoff returns and you saw like the end around which was a play they love doing with harvin and yeah. just getting the ball to him quick and uh you know they took a deep shot to him like it, it yeah he's what they wanted percy harvin to be except the difference was with percy harvin they had to they had to sort of script plays for him to get the ball in his hands Tyler Lockett can just kind of be a part of their offense because he's a good enough receiver to do that yeah I but it really helps make the whole offense come together the whole receiving core come together because then uh you know what what Doug Baldwin and Jermaine Curse can do uh, you know all those guys had a lot of catches last yeah. night it wasn't like it was just one guy Jimmy Graham obviously catching a touchdown pass late had another had the other pass where he sort of fought fought through and got got the ball down close to the close to the end zone. Um, you know, even Nick Bennett caught a couple of passes. Um, the first time we've really seen, seen him make an impact, but you sort of see that really varied receiving core. And I think Lockett, just his ability to stretch the field and all of that adds a dimension to it that, um, that I think they're really excited about. And that it, it's interesting. I had a lot of people ask me what was the mood in the locker room afterward. I, I think it sort of depended on what side of the ball you talk to. I think the defensive guys, um, Sherman and Michael Bennett and some guys like that were, you know, they, they had a hard time moving past Earl, but the offensive guys, man, and I, they, they really felt like, uh, like, hey, we really found something here. We, we kind of re- rediscovered it. We are who we thought we were becoming after the Philadelphia game, and we're not the team that that uh, face planted at Tampa Bay. And if we can do this the rest of the year, the sky can be the limit for this team. Where do you rank Tygate with Cam Newton to Busgate with Marshawn Lynch uh, last year during the playoffs? I mean, did, did you was I the only one who thought of this tie, whole tie situation and thought that it seemed like something that would only be weird enough to happen to like the Seahawks or yeah. something like that? <laughs> it, it is strange. Have you ever heard of anything like that? Yeah, no, uh-uh. I uh, n- nobody has, and it was you know I wrote a little thing. I mean, talking to a few of the few of the Seahawks afterward, and and uh, you know, kind of asking them about it and. We literally had to tell him that this, that that was really what it was. I, we were a couple of us were talking to Cliff Averill, and we're like, "Well, did you hear what it was?" And he said, "No." And I said, "Because he didn't wear a tie." And he like kind of looked at us strangely. He was like, "No, that's that's the report that he it was because he didn't wear a tie and things like that." Um, yeah, it, it is strange. It does, you know, you know, there's kind of almost a bigger picture here of the things that teams have to go that happen to teams when they have success and then staying at that level, which the Seahawks have so far really managed to do under Pete Carroll. You're seeing Carolina last year. I, you know, I never. 
thought they were going to win 15 games every year. I mean, right. they had a lot of things go right last season, but I still thought they'd be a team that could win nine or 10 games, get back to the playoffs. You know, once they get in the playoffs, who knows what could happen. And instead, they're going to have maybe one of the biggest collapses from one year to the next in NFL history. And suddenly with the, you know, if, if you've got your star quarterback and sort of a rift with the, with your coach, you know, who knows what's up, where the direction of this franchise is. So um, could be a really pivotal moment in the history of the Carolina Panthers. I was just talking about this with someone the other day. Is there much, is in your mind, is there much drama left in this season for the Seahawks or is it pretty des- predetermined at the, right now that they're going to obviously win the division? That's almost uh, kind of, they've got, got the locks on that, but, but the number two seed, I mean, I know that there's Detroit's still there and Atlanta's still kind of hanging around and stuff, but I guess how much drama is left? It seems kind of uh yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, they're not going to catch Dallas realistically. No. Um, I, obviously, there's sort of a scenario where they could, but I don't really see that happening. Uh, Detroit's an interesting team. Eight and four. Suddenly, they play the Bears this week. The Seahawks play the Packers. The, um, the Bears could, or, I'm sorry, the Lions could pass the Seahawks this week. But then the schedules really flip, and the, mm-hmm. the, the Lions have a really tough last three games. While the Seahawks, you would think, would be able to win those last do you three think games pretty handily. So they're going to get the number um, two seed. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I I, I would assume that that's where they're going to be. And then you know you got to win the one playoff game, and then see what happens with Dallas, and if they survive. And you got to go there, or if they lose, and and you got to host it. Uh, you know, I think given everything, I think it's it's not so bad of a place. I, I I'd feel much better going to Dallas with Dallas the way they're sort of constituted than maybe what they had to do last year with Carolina. I just you know I thought last year at that time they played Carolina that Carolina was sort of just a better team than they were. But I, I don't know that I necessarily feel that way about Dallas. It'd be a great matchup. It really would be, and I think it would be uh, a very interesting contrast with Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott. And I, I don't know if you feel this way. We'll kind of wrap up on this. Uh, but does he remind you of us? similar traits to Russell Wilson. He does have a little bit. I mean, yeah. he, he makes a certain type of plays that I'm just like, gosh, that's that's a play like Russell Wilson's I've seen him make a million times. Well, and he's having a rookie year sort of like Russell's a little bit too, where he, uh, the, the big difference obviously been he sort of ascended the job because of injury, but, you know, gets drafted by a team in a mid round, not necessarily expected to win the starting job, has these incredible preseason games. You keep waiting for him to completely fall to earth, sort of like Carson Wentz has, I guess, you know, like you often see rookie quarterbacks do, and then he doesn't, and he just keeps doing it one after the and next. He makes really big and plays. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. The, the knack for big plays was the same thing Russell does because you look at some of Prescott's numbers and they're not overly impressive, but you look at when he seems to get things done uh, You know, the same way we've seen Russell where Russell can have, you know, do nothing or whatever for three quarters and suddenly in the fourth quarter make every play that's needed. It seems like Prescott has been that way. But uh, yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, you know, KJ Wright before the season um, when they played Dallas, I wrote a little thing because KJ last year, I had went one day was talking to a few of us and saying, um, um, and uh, Prescott played at Mississippi State, as Wright did. And, and you always hear this from yeah, players, yeah. so they always pump up guys that play at their schools. So you kind of go, yeah, yeah, whatever. But, you know, he was telling us, you know, man, watch out for this guy. Yeah. This guy's the best quarterback in, you know, in in college football, and everybody should be uh, should be looking at him to take him. And he sort of turned out to be right. But uh, the other thing that would scare you about Dallas is their offensive line and the running game they have in Ezekiel Elliott and their ability to do that. And if they were able to sort of control the ball that way, and make some plays that way. Um, I think it would be, you know, we'd really be looking at an offensive game there with Dallas's defense and, um, you know, can, can the Seahawks score enough points that way? Well, first the Seahawks have to get to that point and it'll be an interesting journey the rest of the way. They get the, probably their, like Bob said, their biggest test of the season so far uh, or the rest of the that's way. Left, yeah. yeah, that's left in Green Bay this weekend. We will find out, I guess, more about kind of where they stand after this one. So check back in with us next week.